Hello, I'm Avery Seaman, and I'll be reading the scripture this morning. We'll be starting in Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And to him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. As well, Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that throughout, through the gospel, the Gentiles and our heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Good morning. Thank you, Avery, for reading the scriptures to us. Um, yeah, I just want to make a couple of comments about, I'm, I'm going to be preaching in the, in the series as well, but I want to make a comment about a funeral we had here on Friday. Um, I just want to make mention that uh, nine people from our congregation showed up and made it happen and did the cleanup and getting things ready and served in the service, ushering and so on. For a family that was not connected to our church in any way that we know of, um, kind of heard of us via the grapevine and came towards Hillcrest looking for help. A uh, very beautiful, God-fearing, God-loving young lady, 47 years old, died of cancer. Uh, she was on her journey since uh, 2020, and uh, Sheldon Varga and I were the first ones to kind of go and meet with her and just talk with her. She invited us to come to her house, and she wanted us to help her plan the funeral. And uh, we hoped there wouldn't be one. We prayed there wouldn't be one. But God, uh, in his sovereignty, allowed this lady to go home. And uh, so on Friday, there was a little group of the family here. And there were a number of things during the, the funeral that were kind of made you tear up. And uh, the, uh, we didn't know how many people were going to come. But actually, there was quite a, quite a crowd gathered in. But really, the, one of the highlights of that was uh, the young, one of her, her son is about 12. He's on a football team here in, in uh, Moose Jaw. And the entire football team came in in their outfit. And they sat right here. And I was watching from the back, and when the, the family was already in, and then the team came in, and the mom nudged her uh, son and said, look, look. And the little boy, the young guy looked over and, yeah, kind of made his day. And I would just say, thank God for sensitive leaders of sports in our community that they would uh, be a part of something like that. But I just want to commend our church family, those who were able to come and help. Um, it was just a really good day. Uh, one of the interesting things, um, I don't think they're here this morning, is uh, I don't see Noah here. I think he's away today. That's good. I'll tell some th something about Noah when he's not present. Um, <clears throat> so he and I were together Friday at lunchtime. I came in early and stayed, had lunch here, and then the funeral followed. And we're having lunch, and uh, we're just chatting. And as we finished our lunch, he said, Dave, can I pray for you? I remember Steve said years ago, we're quite a church. Our janitor can preach. <laughs> Thank God for the people that God brings to our church to serve. 
He blessed me. I think he helped me in kind of a difficult situation. And uh, I was so thankful for uh, his, his love and care. And it was just really, really something to, to experience that. And uh, so bless him for that. Um, I was thinking of uh, this morning, there's, we are praying, many of us are praying for our church family that there would just be this growing awareness of God as we love the Lord together and worship together. And uh, we're just so excited to see that God is drawing near to us and helping us understand his presence and to engage with him. And uh, it's really something special. Um, you know, we were, I'm part of a men's group that meets uh, Thursday night. And uh, kind of a ragtag bunch of guys. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Most of them are bigger than me, so I better watch it. But uh, I came on the motorcycle, and, and I was getting ready to go home. And one of them expressed concern for me riding a motorcycle in the dark that I'd run into a deer or something. And so, you know, they were kind of, oh, Pastor Dave, you know, be careful. And, and anyway, so on the, way, on the way home, guys, I want you to know that there was not a deer on the road. I pernier got a badger, and I barely missed a coyote. So, guys, don't just pray about the deers. Would you be anything furry and on the ground, you know, like, yeah. Well, I want to pray. I want to just, uh, I want to say, too, that if you're here this morning, I, I'm just going to invite you as we share together. I'll, I'll tell you that I can sum up my message in kind of two words. Uh, it's about the church gathering and, and the presence of God, but two things are key, unity and bearing up under suffering. Two ways that Christian men and women really show the presence of Christ in our unity. They'll know you're Christians by your love and by the fact that we get through hard stuff with the grace and help of God we can demonstrate him. So be thinking about that this morning. And I'm, I'm going to invite you just to be in your own inner heart as we're talking and sharing. Uh, be thinking about that. How do I come here? And how do I sort of attune my heart, my sometimes busy mind? I know what life is like. We get, we're busy. But how do we come here, Lord? And how do we draw near? And maybe even through communion this morning that you just as you focused again on what he's done for you. Uh, don't, if you want to close your eyes and be praying while I'm talking, I won't be offended. But I would just say, Lord, come. Come and meet with me. Come and speak to me. And so, Lord, this morning as we start, we just uh, would throw open the door in a sense, say, Lord, come. Come and be with us as we share together and talk together. And Lord, I pray for those who are watching online as well, Lord, that wherever they may be right now, I pray that you'd be just speaking to them, that your presence would draw near to them. I'm just thinking there's numbers of our church, our church family that are not well, and I have, my wife is not well. And so, Lord, we just pray for those who are watching this morning, who are part of us who can't be here. May your presence be upon them. And God, we just pray that... Uh, we would be aware of you, that our hearts and minds would be tuned into you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so I, I went back and, and listened to some sermons. 
uh, went online and watched some of the sermons that had preceded my coming up here today. And uh, that's a blessing. I would encourage you sometimes, like, if you got those moments, go and go back and check them out again. Maybe you were here. Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you missed something that was said. Go back and have a look. Um, our pastor kind of started this whole process doing, and he, he focused twice sort of on both his, his preaches. He talked about our, our sense of identity. And he asked a, a list of questions about, is this how you find your identity? Is that how you find it? Is it what you own? Is it what you drive? Is it your sports team? You know, how do you find your identity? And uh, I was just thinking as I, I listened to it again and, and kind of thought it through, I thought, what absolute folly for us as human beings to try to discover identity without going first to the one who created us and saying, I'm going to connect my heart to you. I mean, how can the creature know who or she, he or she is without spending time with the creator and saying, you designed me, you built me, you wired my brain, <laughs> you, it's your fault. No, <laughs> you did it. This, I'm, your, I'm your creation. I want to connect to you. And as we sang this song this morning, what kind of king is that? Are you kidding me? What king comes and dies for the ones he's made? That kind. How can I know who I am until I know who I am with you? Both Steve and Daisy used the same question, I think, and that is we, we shouldn't ask who am I, we should ask whose am I? Who do I belong to? Who, who made me? Who is my, my savior, my God, and my king? Um, Daisy did such a beautiful job of talking about the grace of God and the salvation of God. And I was thinking even this morning, Joy, as you were talking, you know, preventative grace is just as deep and wonderful as saving grace. We all are saved by grace. But in God's grace, he's prevented harm. Now, people need to cooperate with his grace. Some of us just made bad choices. But God in his love and grace... And listen, we won't even know until we're home in heaven how much he's actually prevented. You know, that little turn on the road, that little this or little that, that momentary contact with the person could have been very negative, but God preventing, just watching, stopping, keeping us from harm, he's done lots. I, I think we're going to sit and see some video clips when we get home to heaven, highlights of Dave's stupidity, you know, like <laughs> where God engaged and... And stopped us. You've heard me tell the story, but when we were brand new Christians, we were driving through downtown Calgary on our motorcycle on our way out to Forest Lawn Church, and we're humming through downtown Calgary early Sunday morning, and a Lincoln Continental ran the red light, came right at us. I thought, well, here we go. And uh, there was nothing I could do, and both of us, we were wearing bell bottom pants, and both of us felt the of the grill of that car as we went by. and. When I looked in my rearview mirror, I had a little, I was a sport bike, I'm looking down like this. I saw the back end of his car sliding by. That's not possible. I thought, I want to see the film clip of that someday. And we'd been Christians just a matter of weeks. Preventative grace over and over. Kids that could have taken a bad turn, something harmful that could have invaded a kid's life, God says no. 
I'm going to prevent that. So thank God for His grace. Uh, Daisy used the analogy of the, the muddy dog coming into the house. You know, if you clean it at the door, that's better. Listen, to become a, a follower of Christ when you're young, that's the best plan. That's why this church is so committed to next-gen ministries, because we want preventative grace in the lives of our children, our teenagers, and, in fact, in all of us. We want to we get washed at the door, not come in the house and spread dirt everywhere. Um, so the, the journey in the book of Ephesians is kind of a journey into something. And it's, there's many facets as you go through the book of Ephesians. So it starts out with this, this incredible teaching of God's sovereignty and his plan and, and Paul, his part in all of that. But as we heard from Daisy, that the salvation by grace alone, through faith, it's, it's individual. It's, it's, it's kind of something that happens to us uh, on our own. But then it starts to move into something different. And the individuals in God's plan are gathered together. I don't know if you noticed in the verses that were read, but that word together just keeps, I think there's five or six times, pop, up it comes, together, together, together. And so our, our journey as Christians is not one that we do alone. Um, let me just read one of the verses that, that she shared. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. You were marked with him at the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of the glory. Steve talked about the, the truth that God's promises are so solid. It's a guarantee, folks. We have a guarantee. God's begun something in us individually, but then he starts to lead us towards a journey together. And even in chapter 1, there's a hint starting to show up what that together will be. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything, all things in every way. And so it was read this morning, and I'm just going to, I'm going to read it again. And I want you to do a couple things. Would you stand up? Thank you. You're not standing up for me, all right? <laughs> and I want you to, I'm, I was a terrible student in school because my brain is just like, oh, oh, look at that, you know. I just did it right now, didn't mean to do that, you know. So I found in our staff when we were doing our discovery Bible study stuff, I, I quit reading my Bible and quit. I shut my eyes and just listened. Just listen. Listen to the Scripture. Just listen. If you want to close your eyes, all good. Just, just listen. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people.
and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in, in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by a spirit. I'm going to come back to that one, but just, just, let's just think. He said, I'm going to build you together. And when you come into a room together, I'm going to be there. My presence will be amongst you. I will be here. This is a mystery that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks for that. When we were doing the study of Romans, this was touched on. It shows up here again in the book of Ephesians, that one of the great works of God is to be taking people of diverse background, diverse culture, languages, skin color, you name it, and uh, he just said, I'm, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to bring these people together. You want to you have a blessing, and this isn't, you don't, this isn't for the nice old people. This is for anybody. I'll just challenge you. On Prime... Uh, Amazon Prime, there is a, a, a documentary called Billy Graham, Extraordinary Journey. I challenge you to watch it. One of the things about Billy Graham, he, he was what he was. He was an amazing guy. What a, he, he preached the same gospel from the beginning to the end of his life in ministry. Same message, simple, clear, cross of Christ pays for human sin, you can be saved by faith. He just stayed with it. But one of the things he did when he was in the, in the 50s, in the early 50s, I think it was, he was doing a crusade in like Alabama or Georgia somewhere, and the audience was segregated. They were going to segregate the colors and the, and the white, so they would sit in separate places, and he saw that and he said, no. And he went to the head usher. He said, please go and take the ropes down and take the signs down. And the guy said, I won't. Billy Graham went off the platform, went down and took him down himself. And he said, you sit wherever you want. The idea that you can bring people who actually were living in a hate-filled environment and say, you're going to become the people of God together, that's one of the great miracles of God. And the thing of it is, too, even in... Uh, our culture, and even in our world, it's a miracle when we get along, right? <laughs> it is. We're human beings. We have preferences and hobby horses and whatever. So when we get together and have unity, it's a miracle, but that's God's plan. So this letter that was written 2,000 years ago to the Ephesians actually has principle and truth for us all these years later. So when God says, I'm going to take two groups and make them one, I'm going to bring people together, sometimes there's, uh, we, we use the phrase here, uh, sometimes it's kind of like this is our dream or our hope, 
but that we'd be able to be a bridge church where people with diverse backgrounds and, and preferences and awareness and, and so on can come together and love each other enough to make it work. It's like a marriage. You got to make it work. Sometimes you got to, okay, we got to find a way forward. We will do that. So the, the truth of this unity is timeless and it fits even here. <clears throat> I want to say this. This idea of unity is really something special. I think it's far more special than we often think. Um, there's, there's two ways you can get people together. One is to make them conform. Conformity. We will all dress the same. We will think the same. We will believe the same things. We'll even drive the same kind of car, whatever. Like, it just forced people to be like everybody else. Uh, the, I was part of the Brethren in Christ for years, and back in the early days of BIC, Brethren in Christ, they came out of uh, Pennsylvania, Susquehanna River Valley near Harrisburg in Pennsylvania. That, that was their birthing point. And back in the, in the 50s, they all, when they went to church, all the men wore the same black suit. Look, look like the Amish. And they would actually even part their hair the same way. I, I, I'm doing it. You part it in the middle. And <laughs> that wasn't a joke, actually. I was doing it. <laughs> so insensitive. Um, <clears throat> but they, and they also drove black cars. They all drove black cars. Color was frivolous. Um, and in their houses, there could be no outward adornment on the houses. And they thought that would create this brethren unity that they sought, but they realized that's not going to be the source of our unity. Their source of unity was when they had communion together. They called it the love feast. And they said it was so hard, and they used to watch, wash each other's feet. It was hard for us to hold grudges while you're washing that person's foot. So you do what you do to have actual unity. It's not going to be conformity. And it, thank God it's not. Wouldn't that be boring? It would be. And it doesn't create, it doesn't create what God seeks. Unity is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of attitude, of obedience to Christ. Uh, it's driven by love. Conformity is uh, an issue of creed, of culture, non-essential dogma, control, and it reeks of a cult. When you're in a movement where you're told you have to all do exactly the same thing, you should walk away. That's not godly. That's human uh, manipulation. Now you say, well, what are some of the essentials? Well, yeah, there's some that are just obvious, and the ones that are real are obvious. Um, salvation found in Christ, yes. His sacrifice on the cross, yes. For all human sin, yep. Bible's the authoritative word of God. Billy Graham, by the way, went through a crisis of faith early in his ministry where intellectual uh, scholars were questioning the validity of Scripture. And he went away by himself and he said, God, do I stand on this book or should I start to become more modern? This was back in the 40s. 
And he had a real encounter with God, and he said, that's my book. That's my word. And he built his life. If you listen to him preach, the Scripture says, the Scripture says, the Scripture says, that's what he kept doing. He said, that's the authority. So that's an essential truth. It's not about control. That's just the truth. The holy work of the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creation, the origin that God created, the second coming of Christ. Yeah, those are essentials. But even how we interpret some of that will be, there'll be flavor to it, which is colorful. Um, but the style of service, the expressions of the engagement with the Holy Spirit, here's a good one. Thank God this day is, shi is, is shifted away. Vax or non-vax? Boy, that rocked a few churches. Of course, it never affected us because we were better than all of that. Um, <clears throat> Eschatology, you know, how is Jesus coming back? What's that going to look like? Church government? They may be important, but they're not essentials. The call is for grace-filled unity based upon the absolute tr truth and centered on the person of Jesus. Pastor, you had me in tears. I know what you were feeling. It's about Him. It's just all about Him. That's our rallying point. That's what really matters. And it's in the person of Christ, this King who loved us so much to die for us. Making a group of people who are separated by all kinds of walls and barriers and hostility, I'm kind of reading here in the Scripture, uh, I think it uh, shows up. Um, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, destroying the barrier, dividing wall of hostility, uh, setting aside in his flesh the law with commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. It was Jew and Gentile, but you can, you can put all kinds of groups into that, and it fits the same way how, how we get divided as people. But I'm going to drop down to verse 19. This is chapter 2. Consequently, you were no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, chief cornerstone. And then when I got to this, these next verses, I, I, got, I got messed up. It suddenly hit me. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I couldn't get away from this. Do you, do you see him here this morning? Can you hear him? Can you feel him? Is he here? He said, you gather, I'll be there. When we come together in unity, he dwells. There's, there's kind of a subtlety in, the, in God's journey with us he said, I'll never leave you. 
But if you get some of this stuff right in your heart and in your attitudes, I'll dwell with you. It's like it comes closer. I don't think he moves. I think we do. I think barriers and walls and unawareness, that starts to fade and we start to, oh, God, you're here. We become aware of the truth that he's present. And we begin to do something that is high value to us. We begin to experience it. The Christian faith is not just stuff written in a book. Though we thank God for the book, it's an experience. It's a relationship that you can know and feel and live in. We don't live by feelings. We live by standing firmly on truth. But that truth points us to experience. It says, come. What did Jesus do when he was on earth? The one who set the example. He would leave everything and go into the desert and do what? Be with his father. He said, do what I do. (laughs) Go and be with the father. Come and gather with the father. The, the language speaks of the tabernacle, the holy temple. That was in Jewish thinking. They had that temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, but before that they had the tabernacle in the wilderness where the presence of God manifests itself visibly and you could probably also hear it because it was a flame, a tower of flame in the night. Come on, I mean, this, this is a group of human beings like you and me We'd be like they were gathered around the the tabernacle in their army, in their camp, all set in their places. But if they walked outside their tent and looked towards the temple, what happened? They saw a pillar of fire in the middle of the night. And God was saying, I'm here. I'm here. Enemies of, of my people, check it out. I'm here. You want to mess with this? God said, I'm here. And in the daytime, it was a pillar of smoke. And they said that in the tabernacle behind the holy uh, curtain, but divided off into the most holy place, between the, the angels' wings that were over top of the Ark of the Covenant, a mercy seat, law underneath it, blood sprinkled for atonement, God said, I'll meet with you there. And we use, you hear the language used in some of the writings, the Shekinah glory of God. What is the Shekinah? It's the dwelling. It's God dwelling. The Bible says that he's in us. He dwells in us. And you and I know that there's times in our lives when we're really not aware because we're all kind of, ah, messed up. But once we get still, and the psalmist said, we read this at the funeral today, Psalm 4610 was one of the lady's most favorite verses. This dying lady was to be still and know that he's my God. And she bore testimony of that to us. Be still and realize God is here. He's in me. He's in you. And when we come together in unity, he's with us. He gathers with us. And folks, listen. This teaching or this unpacking about the God living in us and with us and having his presence in our church when we're here together 
it isn't just for us. Really, it's not. It's part of our mission. We are to be bearers of the presence of God outside these walls. But... If we invite somebody to church, and if you're here this morning, maybe this is your first time. I don't know if that's true or not. But if, you, if you're here, maybe somebody invited you, you know, listen to me. I'm far more interested. Yeah, it's nice that you're sitting and listening to me. But I, if I could wish something for you, pray something for you, that you would know the presence of God. That you would know he's here. And that he loves you. And he cares for you. He can touch you and restore you, and renew you, and transform you. God said, I'm here. Pay attention to me. I'm here, and I love you. I want to work in your life. The presence of God, the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, it, I'm not going to go through those scriptures now for sake of time, but it's just, it's just incredible to read what he put in the Old Testament was there for a reason. He said, I want to show you something about me. And you're living in a different time. You're living on this side of the cross, but he said, my presence is still the same. Whether I show you that pillar of fire or flame, that's up to me. And you know, throughout church history, there's been uh, things written down, stories told about people seeing something of the presence of God. It starts in the book of Acts, by the way, in Acts chapter 2. It talks about pillars of fire that were seen above these people's heads and the sound of a rushing mighty wind. That's in your Bible, right? After the cross, God manifests himself by the Holy Spirit. And there are other things that follow in, in, that, in the book of Acts. The apostle Paul saw something. It got his attention. There was a revival in Indonesia years and years and years ago. And a church that was the center of the revival, outsiders said it looked like the building was on fire. It wasn't. <laughs> it was gone. Ben Kirkpatrick took me on a tour of the campus outside of North Battleford that was uh, the latter rain movement that started in there about 1940-something. And yeah, they're okay, they did this. And it, yeah, okay, sure, human beings are human beings. But in one of the rooms... They said in that time when the Spirit of God came upon them that this room, there were visible clouds in the room of the glory of God. And in years later, they, they painted clouds on the ceiling. Now, you say, well, Pastor Dave, no, listen, it's not about the manifestation. That's, that's, the human, that's the human stupidity of it all. We get caught up with seeing this or seeing that. We try to reproduce it. No, no. God is a sovereign God. Some of you, could, if we could hear all your stories, some of you would say, it's like I heard a voice and God said to me. Right? God speaks. God reveals as he chooses to. But it's not, the, it's not the manifestations. It's the promise of his presence. He said, I'll be with you. And sometimes in our weakness, he knows he's got to go a little bit further to make sure that we understand that he really is on our side. We are now the tabernacle. 
we now carry the glory of God in us. But just, this is, this is from Corinthians, just to kind of keep us in perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 to 11. For God said, let the light shine out of the darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Now, here's where the suffering, I said unity, suffering. For the church, for the Christian to really show the glory of God, we're going to show it sometimes the very best in suffering when we suffer. When we are hard-pressed on every side, this is Paul's writings, but not crushed, perplexed, struggling with questions we can't answer, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. We have a treasure inside, and sometimes God, God's got to break the outside to let the inside show. Worship team, you can start moving, I'm thinking. I uh, was watching a TV program, and it was a guy um, was being interviewed. an Englishman. He and his wife had ran a birthing clinic in Beirut, uh, in a refugee camp of some 200,000 refugees in a very dangerous part of the Middle East. They were there on 9-11. And him and his wife worked in this clinic, and one day in the middle of a service, in the middle of their busy day in the hospital, a, a, gun, a terrorist walked in with a gun, walked up to the man's wife, shot her three times in the face, killed her dead on the spot. She fell to the floor, shattered body. And he knelt there in her blood, and he, he's telling the story. He said, I was devastated, obviously. But he said, God gave me a vision, and I was, I was at the foot of the cross, and the blood of Christ was running in the dirt. And I heard a voice said, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he said, in that instant of time, I forgave the gunman. That's God. How do you get through? Some, he went on to, he's still serving God to this very day. How do you get through that? That's a miracle of God. That shows the presence of God. A crucified life that is shining through the most difficult times is a way that God manifests his presence. In closing, it says this, in his intent, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God may be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And through him, and in him, and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Um, if you're suffering, if, you're, if you've gone through seasons of suffering, 
God's with you. You may be the great witness of God. Uh, I was up in the hospital on uh, Saturday to visit uh, Clayton English. Clay Clayton and Fran English, some of, the, some of you will know them, an elderly couple. He's, he's nearing the end of his journey, I think. My wife was there, and she's, she's struggling with her thyroid issue right now, and she's not very well. He prayed, he prayed for her. Hello? That's the glory of God. God bless. You stand and sing with us.
I want to thank you for coming out this morning, and uh, we have prayer teams that are going to be ready and available at the front. Dave talked about the miracle of unity when we're so different, when we disagree on so much. That's a miracle of God, and I pray that you would experience that in your life. I pray for the miracle of bearing up under suffering. 